Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is somebody whose dreams speak deeply of paternal issues. Hello, Pete. Barely in and out comes the psychobabble. Hi, Matt. Tonight's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 213, titled One of Us, brought to us by our sponsor at AM520, W-A-S-Y. No marching bands here. Heard across the many lakes here in Wisconsin. Let's open up the phone line. Hello, Pete from Undisclosed Location. What kind of inhuman are you? Well, Matt, uh, first time, long time. I am an inhuman with powers that uh, do some things and some stuff. Time to catch you up on what went down. Our teaser begins, Matt, with old movies on the TV, Coney Island, New York, and Adriana is unable to cut up her food. Well, you know, Pete, about a month ago, these old movies would have been referred to as new movies on Agent Carter, but I digress. Yes, uh, certainly nice to see Adriana back on the TV Uh Late of uh, Sopranos and uh, and Sons of Anarchy fame, and Pete in the long shots, it looked like her hands were a little little different looking. They did, and come to find out, she is wearing uh, strange metal attachments on her hands. Carla Faye Gideon here, um, she had her name on the gifted index. Explains Cal. Uh, Zabo, who has come knocking on her door here with a couple of unusually abled friends, but yes, not indeed. from S.H.I.E.L.D. Indeed, kind of a, a bit of a rogues gallery. Uh, and I kind of like that we don't get an introduction of who these people are uh, initially that, that's saved for about the one-third mark of the episode. So there's, uh, there's an air of mystery to uh, Dr. Cal's creepy friends. Yeah, what kind of inhumans are they? We'll look in our dossier. Ooh. But uh, they had been uh, tagged up. They had been bagged up and really kind of, uh, you know, limited in what they were allowed to do, Matt, under the old shield and... uh you know, some of that terminology is going to mean a little bit more towards the end of the episode and in the coming weeks. Um, but uh, Carla has not been allowed to uh, feel touch here, obviously, with the things on her hands. And um, they get her out of that and uh, explaining Cal does that the new director of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a door-to-door salesman <laughs> of a man, uh, you know, before she ultimately decides at the end of RT's here, she's in. Indeed, there's the reveal that uh, Carla has kind of knife fingers. Uh, I suppose we're not meant to linger too long on the idea of however she attached them, can't they just unattach them? But, you know, all part of the mystery, all part of the fun, I suppose. Uh, we have gotten a little bit of a, of a tease that one of the uh, one of these baddies uh, has technological skills. Uh, 
you can help to know that, Pete, because he wears spectacles upon his face, therefore yes. making him a computer nerd. Yes. Um, and then sure enough, the gloves are off and title card. Mm-hmm. Act one begins at the playground and Sky is still in the holding cell on the bus. Uh, and she's having apparently the best grilled cheese of her life, courtesy of director Colson. Indeed, everything is hunky dory. Sky is settled in her new dormitory. She's in control. She's happy. Colson is happy. We're we're half a click away from playing. Everything is awesome because Sky just thinks things are great. Colson clearly thinks things are great. But then cut to the next scene. Colson and May, Pete, and what do we learn? The index here is the big subject, though um, Sky has been keeping things steady. She's acting like everything's ready to go back to normal, and May is explaining the protocol. Um, and they're discussing that somebody they want to bring in to analyze Sky might say no. Though may is kind of doing the, the the heavy lifting in this scene i appreciate what uh it illuminates in colson in terms of he's not two-faced that he's so uh convivial with sky in in her uh dorm slash implied prison um or open door prison um but i don't know the fact that he then with may is back to business just says you know this is a guy of many responsibilities and of many concerns and um you know he's able to wear those uh, multiple hats easily bobby morse notices that uh may has headed off and wonders aloud to simmons where she's going simmons meanwhile has further explored the dna of sky and what's gone on with her inhuman activation she's also exploring her feeling about fits and there was quite a bit of mirroring in this episode matt the may and her special person from the past and simmons and her special person in fits but she explains that uh she and fits shared science and it had been sacred matt wow the sacred perhaps even the profane yes um, but Pete, or I would argue- use a Sopranoism, you know, a, a malapropism from uh, late in the Sopranos, not spoken by Adriana, the sacred and the propane. <laughs> Pete, I would argue that the scene you just described, though you described it ap- aptly and accurately, that that's not what that scene is about, nor the previous scene, nor the scene with Sky in her, what I want to call plastic prison, because it's, come on, it's just like a Magneto thing here. I apologize. Let me, I'll just get it out now. Pete, none of these scenes uh, are working just by themselves for their particular stories. It's also kind of the, the, the backhand of the writer in terms of there's this wonderful tension the whole time we're sitting here going, what's going on with Mac and Hunter? I believe that after the title card, our establishing shot was of the bus inside the playground. What's going on with Mac and Hunter? And the story is avoiding it. And this is no yes. more uh, no more clear as to we've gone from Sky and then Colson and May. And then now we are Mockingbird. Mockingbird is in on it somehow. And, well, that's at the point in the story, Pete, when Mockingbird gets the call. 
Morse is on the phone with Mac, who is at a safe house. He's explaining here he's had to clean up, and we see that Hunter is alive and well, albeit handcuffed to the bottom of a sink. Pete, what's great about the thrust of the story so far is something that I'm not aware of happening too often in hour-long dramas, but I know S.H.I.E.L.D. has done a number of times, where despite the fact that we need to visit a number of kind of story pots, if you will, there's a natural progression because we go Sky with Coulson, then Coulson moves to May, then now we're in the playground. From that point, we go to another part in the playground, uh, Mockingbird and Simmons, then Mockingbird to Mac, then Mac to Mac and Hunter. Um, It's a really nice way to just kind of um, smoothly roll out this story. Um, and indeed a story that takes us to, uh, the underside of a sink, not, not the most comfortable of places, I suspect. Yes. And, you know, still bandying back and forth between, uh, Bobby and Mac over what's going on here, but that Hunter has accelerated their plans that he's found out. He planned on telling Colson and at least Bobby wants to make sure that he's comfortable. She tells Mac to get him a beer. Indeed. If nothing else, a beer will make it all better, right, Pete? What kind of beer was it, Matt? That was the return of the Ben Deary beer, and I, I tweeted at Benjamin Deary, the, the pal of the Twitterless uh, Nick Blood, and uh, it's just nice to see that they continue that little shtick with the beer there. I think it was also the beer that they were drinking uh, in uh, 2.11 when they had their, their little uh, wake for uh, trip. So uh, nice to see, nice to see beer continuity. I wonder if that's a job separate from from the continuity job uh, in general. Well, from there, Matt, maybe it makes sense that we head to Culver University in West Virginia, and one of our guest stars in this episode, chock full of them, Blair Underwood, here playing. That's playing Doctor uh, Andrew Gardner, and by the yes. way, Pete, as pointed out to us by. Uh, I believe it was Mike D on Twitter, uh, Culver University, uh, as featured in The Hulk. Yeah, so certainly another one of our connections there. Um, May comes a calling, and he explains for our expositional purposes, of course, that he's not worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. in a long time, and that uh, he finds out that Coulson is now the director and uh, that May is back in the field. He's a little upset because he had called after S.H.I.E.L.D. collapsed, but she never returned his call, and May explains it was a busy time. But he does know about Sky, and uh, he does not want to be observed in his analysis of her. Um, May again explains this is a different S.H.I.E.L.D., and that her mother still hasn't forgiven her for divorcing him. So now, Matt, everybody knows, oh, they were married if you were living under a rock. Yeah, it definitely was a, a late reveal of uh, their having been divorced, ergo married, but uh, a fun scene nonetheless. And Pete, also proof as to why you hire very competent, skilled, and great actors 
like Ming-Na Wen, because there's little room in this story, what with special effects and fighting and, you know, a whole bunch of different sets and exteriors at the football field and all of that. There's little time to kind of explore the, the, the tender side of May, who could fall in love with a man and get married. But that's all on her face in this scene. Um, there's, a, there's, there's tension in the beginning, but you just see the real Melinda May. And it, it was almost uh, striking how he kept calling her Melinda, and it sounded so foreign to the character, uh, to, right. to May's character, because we know her as just, you know, May, and that's what everybody calls her. But it was nice seeing her presented as a, a, a I don't want to say as a real person, because the character is effective, but, you know, somebody who's who's a feeling person who has this tender side. Well, from there, we head to Muskingum County, Ohio, and Cal and his band of, uh, I think, misfits might be the best way to uh, high-powered misfits uh, describe um, them. Medium-powered misfits. Yeah. In my um, book. And uh, one of them, Francis, the strong one, Matt, as it reads in my notes, uh, suddenly bends the bars with a prison high up on the hill in a background, and we head into our first proper act break. Yeah, indeed. Uh, what I call my notes, by the way, the Cray Cray Brigade. Uh, I, maybe that's not as elegant. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it. it yeah, I suppose not. It's a nice scene. I mean, we, we have Carla slicing the guard. Um, you know, that's nice because she has the knife fingers, but couldn't you just do that with a regular knife? Lee um, press-on razors? <laughs> uh, buy them today. Um, side note, I'm not entirely sure what the character of Carla brings to this episode. Um, well, it's funny. I thought she was playing it for a little bit of... Uh, of pathos, some sympathy, you know, we get the, the guy later on and they take the mask off, you know, Oh, be gentle, be gentle. And I, I thought there was going to be a moment there once, um, Gordon swooped in to take, Cal. did he take the guy with the, um, with the mask, with the, with the voice as well? Cause you never saw him again on the football field. I guess it's assumed you get that flash of blue and everything. But I, I thought that um, that Carla was going to be like, okay, yeah, let's, let's you know, make nice again. And then, of course, she gets into a, a tete-a-tete with, uh, with Mockingbird. I'm going to throw out a theory, Pete. And this is something that we might not know about till the DVDs come out or something like that. I bet this was an episode, now that I think about it, this I bet this was an episode that ran quite long and they had to cut a lot of the stuff with this band of misfits her included because there's there's almost suggestions that there's more to her character um later on or maybe not later on like when she first gets out of the van in this scene when they're at the gate she's kind of dressed in like a slightly like it's kind of like i'm a little girl like not to a ridiculous degree but it's kind of there's an innocence to her but, of course, her hair is all messed up and she's got knife fingers and all of that. So I'm just wondering if it's like there was more there. Not that, and, and also, like, I don't know. I feel like you bring in an actress of this resume and this stature and the the potency of her character is largely the same as 
the other two guys in the group, you know, the strong guy and the voice guy. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not saying this is an, an episode which clearly is missing scenes, but it just feels like there's stuff missing with her. There was a sad sack element to her that may have been explored with additional footage. Act two begins with Dr. Garner. Not sure if he can congratulate or give condolences to director Coulson. Uh, Coulson, meanwhile, has told uh, Morse that uh, there's been a break-in at this psychiatric facility in Ohio. Uh, He's also concerned that Hunter was a no-show after he had extended an offer of more responsibility. Two great things in this scene. First is uh, the notion that S.H.I.E.L.D. has a secret asylum under a normal asylum. That's a really, that's a really fun bit of business. That's, a, that's just a neat you know, twist there down to the computer demonstration that like, look, they have their own elevator shaft going down there. Um, second, this is, of course, the beginning of a number of scenes where Mockingbird is, is um, you know, hiding the truth about Hunter and um i mean whether we discuss it now discuss it in a little bit i wasn't sure how i felt kind of colson being in the dark colson not being able to figure this out not that it's an obvious uh ruse and it certainly fits with you know the story she's telling fits with uh with the character of hunter but it was just kind of like oh come on colson is you have to have colson be the one to fall for this it's our colson I like my Coulson in the know, and I, in my headcanon here, Matt, have him playing along. Like, oh, yeah, he never showed up today. Yeah, what, what's up with you guys? Everything all right? You know, that, that's, that's where I have him coming from. Yeah, Simmons, Lance thought something was weird. He's got a tracker in his shoe going to do the calculus next week. You never know. That's yeah. a, that. That's a guess on my part, by the way. This is spoiler free, Matt speaking. Yeah, I don't want anybody to be shocked because like you know Fitz you don't watch the, the, scene. the you don't watch the you know preview at the end of an episode. I don't need but, to. We done? <laughs> I I don't because because what I got magic fingers. Nine times three, one, two, three, twenty-seven. Simmons is psyched that uh, Garner. Uh, has shown up, somebody she clearly knows about. And there, Matt, Fitz expresses that he did not know May had been married, um, that, uh, strangely, Garner seems nice. Um, And we learn there for the first time in the episode that his name is Andrew. But Skye is protesting the uh the analysis here um she has asked may she's asked uh garner if uh may was a bridezilla and there's quite a bit of uh psychological deflection that goes on here by the time we get to the bullet matt he wants to know why did she shoot herself she of course explains that uh you know she didn't shoot herself, shoot herself in a suicidal way, that it was a way to regain control of the situation. And this scene and the previous scene are proof, uh, again, of the, the, the high quality of actors in this show. Surely the, the second tier of, of um, 
actors. And I don't mean in terms of their skill, just in terms of the, the, the size of their parts. Um, whether you're whether you're saying um, uh, Clark Gregg and Ming Na Wen are in the top tier, or, or if you're including including Chloe Bennett in that, but regardless, there are these opportunities here where you're you're getting less less lines compared to the first season because it's a larger cast now and it's a more expansive story and more guest actors. But darn it, Fitz goes for it with the comedy here, the the, the kind of casual shocked nature of it all he's been hanging with may enough to kind of bring these things up and not see her as the high and almighty administrator uh and then same thing here with uh with uh chloe bennett sharing the screen with uh with blair underwood just kind of going toe to toe with him in the acting department and um it's uh it's fantastic stuff the upshot is that we learn that uh garner and may had eloped so there's a little bit of sharing that goes on there, the compromise. Um, she loves Vegas, Matt. I'm not surprised to hear about that, Pete. She's she's a woman who lives on the edge. I can just see her wandering into, you know, into the the higher end casinos, you know, playing kind of uh, Texas Hold'em at some sort of uh, you know James Bond Casino Royale esque table with uh, a variety of international henchmen and henchwomen. And it's walking out of there like, awesome, just won a million dollars. Here you go, homeless guy. Whatever. Um, and to me, it's it's totally May. We cut to Colson and Morse outside of the um, psychiatric facility. And before we know it, we are in the sublevel basement. Colson is explaining there are two prisoners. One, a John Bruno. The other, Bachelor number two. And then Bruno has Bobby in a hold. It was it was a fun, quick scene, um, potent, uh, nice acting choice on the guy that they got to play Bruno. Um, again, not a particularly long fight scene, but one that was kind of bone crushing fun. The other person they're looking for, David a engar one of our uh, special individuals from this episode colson explains has a voice that renders the listeners in a immediate catatonic state and they come to find scrawled on the wall in this facility the phrase matt fight on and uh with that we're told, uh, or actually, we're shown that they're going to Wisconsin, and uh, certainly this the, this introduction of this uh, first worst bad guy uh, that uh, Doctor Cal now has. Uh, it's a nice mystery. I don't think at this point we've seen him yet, although we uh, uh, he's he's rather ghastly to look at when we do see him. But uh, the most ghastly of all, they're in Wisconsin, so therefore, act break. Act three begins with May asking her ex-husband if he'd like a single or a double. You know, Pete, it's only in your retelling, but I understand that there's a bit of a double entendre there. Perhaps she revealing to this psychologist her her desire to find out who was on the other side of that picture. Is he single? Is it the picture of his dog? Uh, Or is it the picture of another lady? Well... Garner explains that um, Sky is enamored 
of Agent May thinks very highly of her, to wit, of course, she responds that I taught her to fire an automatic, of course, she loves me. <laughs> it makes sense, doesn't it? Fitz uh, comes in and uh, we find out that uh, Garner is hungry, but not that hungry. Um, Fitz heads back by Simmons and they are discussing uh, what's taken place in the kitchen between the former couple uh, and quite a bit of mirroring, Matt, for Fitzsimmons with May and Garner. Um, other than the discussion about Sky's condition, of the cooking here, uh, the fact that May was laughing, the way that Garner was looking at her, um, you know, Simmons mentions that perhaps spending time together is allowing them to rekindle their relationship. They're talking about what's happening on screen at that moment. It's it's nice that the show really is able to to have such a, an elegant and compact uh, storytelling device here, where we're able to have multiple you know, uh, multiple characters in motion, these, you know, this mirroring effect, as you call it so aptly, Pete. Um, it's it, it's a nice story element that I think easily could have been lost or cut from the script or, or something like that before, before going in front of the camera because you have a zillion things going on anyway and it's kind of the, the, the low-hanging fruit to cut and to just say, oh, well, we'll address that in a later episode. But they don't and it works so nicely here. And what better way to interrupt that than with alarms? Uh, Sky is on a shaking bus, and we find that she is asleep, and they want her to wake up. Like, come on, stop making the bus shake already with your dreams. The the lesson here uh, on uh, at least four of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is uh, if the bus is a rockin', do come a knockin'. Because uh, Sky has inhuman powers that have changed her DNA because of Kree uh, interference, and uh, she could destroy everything. Yeah. It's an easy mnemonic device. It is. Wilson is, meanwhile, breaking down some of the other people that Cal has scooped up here. We finally get some formal identification of uh, nerdy tech guy, Wendell Levy, as well as Francis Noche. Uh, Levy is described as the brain and Noche as the muscle. They were on the index, but they're not exactly gifted. The description of Carla with the razors grafted onto her fingers. Um, the boyfriend was not the only victim that she had there. I'm realizing, too, that this scene, there's a slight clunkiness to it, which didn't occur to me on first viewing. And I want to stress, I thought that this was a very fine episode as a whole. And, you know, if if some of these problems are only apparent upon deep reflection, then that's to the credit, because no episode is going to be perfect. And if this was an episode that took a lot of work to bang it into its current shape, then all the better that, that kind of those, uh, those repairs aren't that obvious. But it's a slightly wacky scene in that it's kind of mid-episode mid exposition, direct exposition. Let's now tell you about these people that you've been with for the last half hour. Um, it wasn't her only victim. 
we're not going to tell you about the other victims, not even the number. It's just enough to be like, see, she's bad. It was the abusive guy, but now she's really, really bad. Right. Um, again, kind of a bit of a color by numbers scene to just tell us they're, they're very bad. Uh, okay. You know. <laughs> Carla, and again, I think with a, with a sympathetic uh, twinge here, she said that S.H.I.E.L.D. robbed us of enough, almost as if, like, let's, let's move pa- past this. But Cal explains he's used chemistry, which is a nod to his backstory here um, and everything that's gone on with him. Um, is this Coulson, is when they're having, they're having yummies at the diner? I believe so, yes. Again, uh, a, a slight weirdness to that scene. They're kind of in you know, your, your Denny's or your IHOP type place. Um, the one guy, of course, has his horrid face mask on while everyone else eats. Yes. Okay. I, wasn't he using a, a straw? He was. He was. Yes. Um, yes. So kind of, you know, Denny's wacky. You know, yeah, well, I have the Rudy Tootie fresh and fruity for my my man here who uh, who can't talk and uh, just keep the coffee coming, hon. <laughs> I don't know. And then, I mean, you have Carla whose hands are under the table. It just, yes, there was something slightly off. Like you're telling me that they just came into this place. Like I feel like was there a scene ahead of it where there was a slight joke where it's like, I guess it's one of those comic cons in town, or what do you think this is? <laughs> Halloween? It's just there should have been something because it stresses or, or it stretches credulity a bit that this bunch of weirdos is going to wander on in and just get a booth and and as you say, get a Rudy Tooty fresh and fru- fruity for everybody at the table. Oh, except for him, he'll just have a strawberry milkshake. Do you want whipped cream with that? <laughs> okay, you know, like. <laughs> It just feels like, again, watching the episode, I didn't have a problem with it. It was just kind of slightly odd. But now that I think about it, it seemed a little incongruous. I like that nature here. And given the seriousness at the same time, the the zaniness of, of Cal Zabo's character explaining that S.H.I.E.L.D. is criminals and that they're going to shed light on this, you know, cuts back to what Carla had been saying that, that they had been robbed. Um, we cut to Coulson and uh, his uh, confrontation with Bobby here that, uh, you know, Hunter uh, had left and uh, how long had you guys been sleeping together? So he is not as out of it as... Uh, we might have thought on first view here, um, but he explains that they're stuck, that he needs to do something else to figure out what's going on here. And then he thinks about history and fight on suddenly makes a great deal of sense. Pete, I will forgo at this point playing the coming home song. We are, of course, reserving that for when uh, when agent agent. Grant Ward returns to the bosom of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, but it is uh, the sentiment of that song which is captured here on the scene because Coulson, he's coming home. Yes, uh, Mantoic, Wisconsin. Um, and we see a cheerleader flying in the air. So we know here we're dealing with a scholastic uh, setting. And we find out that... Colson was born in Wisconsin 
and they're trying to lure him home. He needs backup. Which is handy because let's just go through the list here, Pete. Who's available for backup but May and maybe, I don't know, somebody else somehow tangentially related to Dr. Cal and his... Wait a minute, Dr. Cal's daughter, Sky. Yeah, it it was a clunky but necessary way to get everybody there. And, you know, very rarely this season have we utilized the bus for, um, you know, Sky to be meeting with Garner and they're talking about pushing people away and, and everything that's gone on there. Uh, you know, Sky had some... Uh, some biting dialogue here saying, you know, you show me an ink blot, I'll tell you about my first time, the avoidance of the truth and the, uh, the, the different abilities that have been, uh, triggered in her. You're talking about the dream and, you know, she had been on a mission with her rifle looking through the scope and suddenly she's on the other side and then everything starts shaking, Matt. That's where it was a nice fake out. It's not her. It's the bus lifting off. Absolutely made to the rescue. And it really, really, really was a nice fake out because it feeds to a larger fake out. The notion that Sky really is in control of this. And hey, this is the show that solved the whole Colson Carvey thing in six episodes, something like that. It moves, moves, moves. It doesn't linger on anything too long. Oh, it was a terrible, terrible burden to her two episodes ago or even last week. She solved it this week is what we are meant to believe because it's another bit of evidence here uh, obviously right. to be refuted towards the end uh but, and of course the 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 bus is now flying in a in a nice uh, effects shot and uh, that leaves dr garner unhappy yes not happy that he's headed into this and even less happy that sky might come into contact with her father oh my goodness um, pete do you think do you think that a psychological reading of May's actions would reveal that part of the reason she <laughs> took off without consulting with him is not just for the sake of Sky or not wanting Sky to be left behind, but so that she's forced to spend time with her ex-husband with the hopes that one day they might make romantic kissy faces again? Matt, I think you're projecting, but uh, May explains you, that <laughs> she didn't want to uh, interrupt them. Um, but at the same time that that's going on, um, Wendell, our techie guy, uh, has cut off the mask here, um, for, uh, Mr. Angar, David Angar. And, um, Carla wants them to be gentle. Uh, the guy goes to open his mouth and Cal stops him. Not so fast to make it count. Suddenly they are um, putting on uh, not earmuffs, but uh, what will we? Kind of yeah, like like industrial grade airplane grade kind of like ear yeah outer ear plugs ear protection. Yes, um, Matt. I was taken out of the scene by the kid sitting on the field there, who decides, "Oh, there's there's a guy walking on a field, and all right, he's a little disheveled, but I'm gonna take a selfie with him." I don't think it was a selfie. I think he was taking a picture of the guy. I personally found that to be 
totally in the mindset of a, of a teen. Like, look, <laughs> there's a weird disheveled guy with some sort of crusty sores on his face. And, oh, he may be lost and in need of some sort of assistance. Or Let's put that on Instagram. Yeah. Or maybe he shouldn't be here on school property and he's maybe we are not as secure as we need to be. So I should go, no, I just need to take the picture, make sure it's geotagged. Which filter do I do to show evil guy who, you know, may be here to do bad things and upload? Oh, now he's killing me. Well, as much as I was taken out of that scene, I was brought back into it when he opened his big gaping mouth and everybody went down, Matt, pause, and then all of the birds came crashing down. That was the greatest effect of the episode. I'm sure that there were effects that were more challenging or more uh, intricate, but they had they had showed us this the flock of birds in Wisconsin, uh, it might have been earlier in that scene, but certainly earlier in the episode, and then just this pause, and then all those birds come down, turned what had been the gaping, horrific maw, uh, it, it, it turned it from nightmarish to just just even worse, to, 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 to just to the stuff of terror as those birds come crashing down. Um, great effects, fantastic uh, act end. Act four, Matt, begins with Hunter grunting. Uh, not dissimilar to uh, the intro of Hunter, I believe, last week. Uh, this, of course, a different bit of grunting. Uh, he's uh, on the floor and by himself. Um, I was convinced, that as, as uh, Mac comes in, the pizza and a beer, that it would have been the Hunter just got himself free, and this is where he's going to go clunk on the head. But, Pete, I know that there's more to that scene there's some subtext yes uh the the dinner he's brought him at a hawaiian pizza uh mac explains that meat and fruit is not something that really works for him and they come back to a time they were working in dubai and hunter wants to know what he what mac and bobby are into and mac explains He'll know soon enough. The thing about Dubai, though, that had been a cover. The plot thickens. Yeah. Much like one might move from pre-calculus to calculus. Yeah, that I can't speak to. I was a little disappointed how we've fallen back a couple times in this episode to, I'm going to mention Dubai or Bahrain and location baggage pete i think that as we are examining this episode for the podcast i think that we are discovering that there are some some cracks in the walls the walls are not about to fall down it's a it's an altogether fine episode that that moves the story forward on a number of uh, fronts it was captivating it was exciting it was uh, authentic to the emotions but it's not as pristinely uh, constructed an episode as others uh, in this portion of the season or, frankly, this season. Well, Matt, you know what's not okay is Sky's lunatic father. And, uh, you know, when everything is explained to Sky, this is not an negotiation. She's staying on the bus. She's an emotional powder keg, Garner tells us 
it's it's an effective moment to just remind us that um he has a certain take on sky which is not kind of our home field advantage we're like no she's gonna be fine of course because that's what the story's been telling us all along and he's he is offering this alternate voice which is uh going to loom larger as the episode uh continues there's an unwritten rule in screenwriting, Matt, that you have to say something three times before you can go back on it. And here we have to hear again that she's locking it down, that she has it in control. But he explains, Garner explains, that contact with her father is a bad idea. And once we've hit the ground in Manitowoc, Wisconsin, uh, we find out that this is not at Colson's high school that his father in fact coached football there and then Cal comes over the loudspeaker this is just a wonderful villainous monologue that Kyle McLaughlin uh, delivered uh, shades I suspect of uh, uh, of another Kyle McLaughlin joint that of his character of Zach Carey just kind of gleeful and, and enjoying his job, enjoying his work. Uh, here it's just this, I, I, I don't know, it's proof that this show can go a little comic book movie when it has to, can yes. go a little hammy, because it's just fun. And frankly, it fits with this character who he said back at the Denny's, um, you know, had uh, volatility issues, and of course we knew that uh, for, for a while now with the character. But he's just so slowly unhinged that we would expect him to be this kind of gleefully maniacal yes and explains the matchup here to the ladies and gentlemen between the shield eagles and the slicing talons the kids meanwhile um that's something that's very much up in the air the fate of all the people who were at this field when this went on and colson wants to know what did you do now, Pete, did I read the implication correctly that all the kids have been killed? No, I think they were incapacitated with the idea that, you know, Carla and the others are around them. And, you know, while they're while they're out, they could easily be dispatched. I certainly agree that that is possible. And I would say, given the tone of the show, that it is probable. I just felt that it was a little rough story point in terms of. Um, we saw them getting passed out yes. you know, or, you know, get, getting knocked out rather. Um, and then this idea of like something more has ha- here's the reveal. And it's, I, I don't know. Again, it was, I'm in no way saying that you're wrong. I just thought that the show was somehow presenting that the ante had been upped, uh, much as Kyle McLaughlin's character might have done at the Stardust Hotel, but that's a different movie. Um, Again, just a little bit of a, of, a, of a bumpy section here in the story. I'd agree with that. It was, it was unclear. And, you know, you're, you're trying to reconcile the story between our principal characters here. And you're like, oh, wait, the, the fate of these kids? Uh, it, it's not as important, you know, despite yes. the fact that there's a number of innocent bystanders here. But... The end result is that Cal wants S.H.I.E.L.D. exposed for its barbaric crimes against exceptional humanity, Matt, before we see May has a gun to Sky's head and uh, explains that uh, you're going to contain this or they're going to put her down. It's your call. 
Yes, that in response to Coulson now being surrounded by the outlaw crew. And the notion of, of May having a gun to Sky's head at this point in the story, when last we saw May and Sky on good terms, I think is uh, the weakest act end that we have seen for a while on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Because I doubt anyone bought the notion that Sky was in distress and May actually had her hostage. Everyone at home assumed that this is just a bit of a ruse to get to Dr. Cal, um, but that Sky is in no way, you know, incapacitated and under May's, uh, you know, under May's evil plan. Well, it enables us, Matt, to go right into Act 5, you know, uh, let her go or, or let it, let him go or your daughter dies. And, you know, Cal wants to know, what, what's your thing, Dave? You know, I, I was hoping it was Wings. And uh, it's it's suddenly there that um, Pete. It's at this point when uh, Doctor Cal is ready to up the ante that has already been upped, and uh, he's all set to hand the microphone to David Angar, who I think is Angari enough to speak into that microphone and just you know really give quite the wallop to the town. And uh, Pete, things are suddenly things are about to to come to a boiling point, and what could possibly stop it, Pete? The blue shield of uh, Gordon, um, the reader there, who pops in, and uh, Cal is stolen. I want to say, given that we never saw him again, again there was a lot going on at the screen that David Angar was was transported as well, given that he was. Th- Really the biggest threat he opens his mouth and you know the scene ends uh, i would definitely be interested to, to to get a better sense of that because um there's the line well i mean we'll get to the line in a bit but given that angar is uh manufactured and not kind of a you know naturally talented with his weird weirdness i i don't know why gordon would be as interested in him but there definitely is a bit of a shell game going on here with, wow, Cal is gone. What happened? Well, I mean, the what happens next is is um, obvious enough. Actually, hold on a second, Pete. I think that I've had the answer come to my head. Doesn't Angar, speaking of heads, doesn't Angar get hit in the head with a suitcase with a something? That's, is that what incapacitates him? That's Wendell. Yes, of course, of course. Um, Tell you what, listeners, where is Angar? Let us know. Tweet at us. But I know, Pete, for sure, that uh, we do have uh, two great fights there. May versus Francis Noche and Mockingbird, Mockingbird uh, versus the uh, the knife-finger-tipped Carla. And uh, two two solid fight scenes. Not fantastic, but two definitely solid bone-crushing, night, uh, uh, bone-crushing uh, scenes. Uh, particularly with Mockingbird versus Carla. I like how uh, Mockingbird's... Uh, batons uh come out and uh she hits the one side of the whether it's the table or or the gym yes. bench and, her. Uh, knocks her out yeah yeah i felt carla kind of broke character here the minute that cal was taken she she says we need to end this now and uh you know garner meanwhile has sky there's the scene in the in the shower room in the locker room between mockingbird and uh, Carla, um, you know, Mockingbird says you you should just turn yourself in, and Carla says I've tried that, no thanks. Uh, Wendell is on the run, and Coulson uh, takes his case to his face, 
and then Sky starts to shake, and there are blotches that appear on her, on her arms, and she passes out. And we get a brief piece of dialogue in the blackout where we can hear Cal's voice, and he says, Daisy, and you're almost led for a second that, you know, did they go back and take her? And then we see that we're on the bus in the honeycombed uh, holding cell. It's a really nice presentation there because it's unclear why her hands are bruising initially. In fact, they don't. the camera doesn't even linger to a point where it's clear that it's bruises. Is it burn? Is it energy peel? Is it, you know, the, right. the, 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 is it, you know she's being stonified, whatever it is. Quick, she passes out. And then, then Pete, there is the reveal that uh, yes. she has not been, been uh, um, controlling her powers, cooling her powers. Where have they been going, Pete? To get the exposition out of Simmons here explaining those were bruises. They were actually capillary ruptures. They've detected about 75 hairline fractures from her clavicle all the way down her wrist. That she's not stopping her power. She's directing them inward and that they've got to find some way to minimize this damage. Simmons, meanwhile, says that um, gifted is insufficient and too broad. And Coulson here is curious about the other tag that she wants to label Sky with. We get uh, Mike Peterson name checked that he is an enhanced individual. But Sky and Raina, Matt, this was inside them. Indeed, that notion uh, differentiating between man-made powers and natural ones. Um, if only there was a, a like like a one-word thing to capture it all. I'm sure they'll eventually come up with something. Garner recommends that uh, Sky leave Shield all together. Uh, Garner asks, though, if May really believes this after Bahrain. He says S.H.I.E.L.D. hasn't changed. Um, he just has reasons to not be aligned with it. And the reasons are the photos on his desk, Matt. He has to move on. Indeed. He's got himself a, a, a new huggy, kissy, lovey time person. And uh, with that, again, good acting out of, out of Ming-Na Wen. It's not over the top. It's very subtle. But, you know... I think she's perhaps looking for that rekindled connection on some level, uh, but she's not getting it as he walks out. And uh, of course, no one should look at IMDb at all. I'm sure he'll he will be back. <laughs> and this is it. Nice one shot there for Player Underwood, ladies and gentlemen. With that, Pete, on to Hunter. And yes, what happens? The, the ride is here. He's bagged. Um, uh, Mac explains you were right it all went to hell but uh, there's another organization an outlier the real shield and we are treated to a different take on the traditional shield logo a little more angular with three stars across it my prediction for next week it's run by Clark Gregg in a goatee yes anti Clark Gregg. <laughs> Our tag scene features Cal in a room that we have been in before, uh, somewhere in Asia. 
our man with no eyes. Gordon comes in and wants to know, noting the broken furniture, are you done yet? And Cal asks, why did you not take Daisy? Um, and Gordon explains that uh, what we do is none of your concern. You're making too much noise. Um, you're not one of us. Gordon seemingly also differentiating there between the man-made powers and those uh, those uh, caused naturally by the... Yes, uh, science experiment, he calls him. But he wants to know what's happened and or, or what happens now, and Gordon explains that's not for you to decide, and Cal has resigned himself to some bigger interest here, and he leaves the room, and we fade out. A detailed look at our bad guys, Matt. First up, Carla Faye Gideon. Uh, I, as I've suggested a number of times in the podcast, I had higher hopes for her as a villain. Uh, maybe it's the beginning of a multi-episode arc. You know, I, I truly don't know. I don't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay reading the casting announcements, but in terms of uh, how long an arc they're supposed to be on, whether it's recurring, one shot, whatever it might be, I, I kind of avoid that. It felt like she was kind of underpowered. I still don't get why, if she put those metal things in her fingers, they can't just be taken out. I don't get why she's just living like in a Coney Island apartment with razor fingers. Um, I don't get how that's particularly a superpower. Um, you would think if she wore some sort of Freddy Krueger glove that that would be easier across the board. So definitely deserving of being on the dossier, but not high on my list. Listen, you know, the girl just wants to cut her food, but there was a there was a more sympathetic note to her character than any of the others that we saw on uh, Cal's you know, uh, team here. Um, Wendell Levy, Matt, the the guy with sciency powers who does exactly. He uses the computer. <laughs> that was kind yeah. of it, right? Like I'm not missing anything, right? He he's so good at computer, he's not supposed to use computer because so he has a chip that says no computer. But then they took the chip out, and so now he computer things and yeah, internet. He, he was the brain. He had the chip in his arm. He found him in a uh, an RV in Nevada. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I kind of liked. <laughs> I liked that character better when he was played by Hugh Jackman in um, what's that hacker movie with Halle Berry? Swordfish. Swordfish. Um, also liked Halle Berry in that movie, but I digress. Um, yeah, not a whole lot. Nobody works here. harder, Matt. Nobody does work harder. And if, if people don't know, that's what the showrunner of Extant, her awful, awful television show, tweeted at us out of the blue, and we were not tweeting at him, which is just creepy. And it's an awful, awful show, and I look forward to definitely not watching it, regardless of what Pete says. Pete, who else hashtag, is on the dossier? Hashtag, it's science. Indeed. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a fun summer. Um... So, Pete, who else is on this uh, crew of misfit toys? Francis Noche, our strongman who can bend bars and f- 
fight Agent May was his other power. It was a good fight, but I felt like it wasn't the kind of strength. None of these... Okay, wait, wait. The, the, the guy with the voice, Angar, oh, great name, um, that's David a truly a. Fr- frightening power. The yes. angriest that we've seen Cal is in this episode when he breaks a mug. Guess what? I can break a mug. Maybe not with my bare hands, but one hand plus the floor, I can break a mug. Um, <laughs> Noche looks like a wrestler. Okay. Um, Carla... And a jobber wrestler, not even like you know, the ultimate warrior or anything like this. He looks like the guy that the ultimate warrior beats up in several cities. Right. Like, come to the VFW and see Noche battling this guy who was in the WWF 25 years ago. This was not a bad episode by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a little underserved by its villains. And I think having so many of them and read really kind of made for a for a strange stew, if you will. Yeah. But you know, Cal is the uh, obviously the unifying force with all of them here. And uh, I have to say, Matt, when I saw the promotional material for this, the poster with the the super villains. I, I had to check if it was legitimate because it didn't feel right. I think there was something in the presentation of that. You were kind of like, is, is this photoshopped? I'm certainly sure that it was, I mean, it was, I, I'm, I'm sure it was photoshopped in that, you know, pictures of the actors put together They you know, they probably didn't pose altogether like that. It was right. just, this was, this was an episode whose aspirations were A, and it ended up as a B. And that's okay. Um, I'm also wondering, too, just in terms of the scope of a season, if you sit and go, all right, episode 216, we start to really seed for our Avengers tie-in. And episode 218, that's the actual tie-in, and so on and so forth. And I'm just wondering if like this was like, hey, let's have a really awesome episode where there's a bunch of, you know, it's like a super suicide squad type thing and it just kind of didn't fully gel you know which is okay tv is on a deadline it's a train that you're putting the track down ahead and it's coming regardless it just feels like there were portions of this episode that misfired and surprisingly it was not to the detriment of the episode as a whole time to analyze and theorize first up matt why did Agent May and Andrew Garner's marriage fall apart? Well, far be it from me, the hero of, of female equality at New York Comic Con, and indeed at all times on the podcast, ladies, far be it from me to blame the woman, but I kind of have to think based on my read of him and my read of her, perhaps she was a little inflexible in terms of balancing you know, uh, married life and professional life and that thing that drives her to be this, you know, profoundly great professional and not just a professional, you know, lawyer or doctor or that sort of thing, but, you know, military assassin mission planner type, you know, maybe it was just too much for her to bring all of that home, you know, kind of shades of, uh, you know, shades of the, 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 
the soldier coming home and you know the world has changed around him and her him or her that kind of thing so i'm gonna assume it kind of was more her than him well matt other than the fact that we just things in this particular episode by mentioning a city's name i'm gonna choose the additional mirroring what Sky is doing to herself and that she's turning it all inward was really something that they have been guilty of in the past. That she turned all of the guilt, the remorse, what have you, from the Bahrain mission that we've referenced, you know, a good five or six times now over the course of two seasons from different characters' perspectives. And that was too much for this marriage. It's interesting you bringing up uh, the Bahrain stuff because most of it was mentioned in the beginning of the first season where, you know, we're still trying to establish characters or, you know, possibly seed mysteries that we'll explore later on, you know, but I feel like much of those mentions were the vestige of the show, you know, finding itself. The fact that they're bringing it back now suggests to me that, you know, maybe indeed they're going to do something with that. Maybe, Matt. Well, me, I say maybe. I, I don't. I don't want to hear definitely one way or the other from you. Spoiler, Pete. What does Gordon or someone connected with want Cal for? Well, they say it's too. Too. He's been too loud. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, it, I hope it's not something as simple as the introduction to the next the next you know phase of bad guy the next uh the next i i don't know the the next chapter uh, of the story um that certainly is an option he could be led into some sort of you know throne room for the new big bad and unceremoniously killed in the next episode uh though somehow i i think not uh but i suppose time will tell matt other shield good name or bad name well i think this is going to be like a like a protracted fight you know like uh apple core the uh, licensing company for the beatles and apple computer and fighting you know nobody's ever thought of the word apple before you know microsoft uh trying to uh to copyright the word windows because they were the first one to think of the idea of a window um, so this could be Shield versus Shield. I mean, heck, there's a company like the Stan Lee Company who was sued by Stan Lee. So it was the Stan Lee Company <laughs> versus Stan Lee. I, I don't know. I Pete, probably what we can assume is that the other Shield's just a whole bunch of total bad guys, and there's never going to be any sort of reconciliation between now and the end of the season. Well, to have this, you know, outlier as Mac called it, real Shield. And, you know, what we know as S.H.I.E.L.D., Coulson's S.H.I.E.L.D., which I call original recipe S.H.I.E.L.D., um, yeah, I, I think the, the, the difference of the logo um, that Morse and Mac have been operating within it, you know, we were very over the top to announce that they're not Hydra, so now they're real S.H.I.E.L.D., Shield. Did they did they think Buckler would would be too cumbersome that that people would need to go look that up? Well, 
I had I had wondered if um you know, I mean there are these different things in Marvel Comics, you know, in addition to shields, there's like sword and spear and, and whatnot. I was wondering if perhaps they were headed there, but um I think instead the question is who is the crystal Pepsi and who's the original Pepsi? Well, you know, don't discount uh blue Pepsi. Pete, here's my question to you. Twenty years from now, will someone be selling the uh the new shield logo on uh on ebay along with crystal pepsi in like a two-pack and if so how much will it sell for shield cola <laughs> shield cola hey they they brand everything else they do check those free Matt, we have been left a trio of reviews on iTunes. First, left to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek Account uh, by Iron Man's Broken Antenna on March 14th. That is the best iTunes name ever. (laughs) A five-star review headlined, Matt and Pete are level 10 approved, and it reads... I really enjoy all of your podcasts. They're both thoughtful and coherent. Your selfless dedication and attention to detail really comes through in the final edit. I feel that listening to podcasts by Fantastic Geek truly enhances the viewing experience of my favorite shows. Wow. So very, very kind. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Pete, uh, not only... Do we have the Agents of Shield podcast as uh, referenced there uh, by the uh, by the glowing review? Just a reminder that uh, we have a number of podcasts. There's the Daredevil podcast, uh, forthcoming and heating up soon. There's the Agent Carter podcast, uh, slumbering to hear about the future of that show. Um, and all of those are also kind of simulcast on our pop culture podcast. Uh, if you're an iTunes person. If you search for Fantastic Geek, you'll see all those podcasts. Again, kind of if you're if you're a Matt and Pete fan, uh, we recommend subscribing to the Pop Culture Podcast because uh, it gets all the Marvel stuff along with some uh, some goodies just for just for that. And uh, if you're not an Apple person, you can head over to FantasticGeek.com. Uh, you can click on all the MP3s from there. If you have some sort of other uh, podcasting uh, catching device, service, etc. There's an iTunes and feed tab that you could click on, and uh, our direct feed information is there as well, and you can plunk that into your earphone machine. And Pete, speaking of the Pop Culture Podcast, which uh, simulcasts Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I uh, I understand we have a couple of reviews there as well. Yes, the first courtesy of Scouter Ron left on March 12th. The headline is Great Podcast, Five Stars, Right to the Point, Keep Up the Good Work. Ah, very, very nice. We love keeping up the good work for uh, for all our listeners, and frankly for yeah. ourselves. We have a ball doing it. And the next was left by Ricky L. Dunham this day. A must-listen headline here, Five Stars. I was trying to find a good AOS podcast. Instead, I found a wonderful Marvel podcast. It reads, I loved their Agent Carter pods and cannot wait for the Daredevil podcast. Side note, you don't have to. We already have two whole 
episodes up. We'll talk about that again in a minute. Continuing review, it's great, and I love how quickly episodes are put on iTunes. This is a great podcast with two beautiful hosts. If you want a good Marvel pod, you came to the right place. Ah, thank you, thank you very much. Pete, I'll quickly mention a couple of other uh, decrypted transmissions here. People on Twitter tweeting at us and using the hashtag AOS podcast, which will really help get your messages uh, to us in an orderly fashion. A couple I want to point out from ZP International, uh, noting uh, this episode. It's been a good episode. We got backstory, new villains, FX drama, and action. I think that's a great summary of the episode, even though it has a couple uh, rough edges there. And a tweet from uh, Oscar Olade um, that says, why do I live on the West Coast? Kind of decrying the fact that, you know, we're we're tweeting about the episode, but noting, uh, oh, yes, I know why. Um, And then saying, can't wait for the episode and the podcast chaser. Pete, I do rather like the idea that we are the chaser to the, I don't know, to the the main event, which is only fair, uh, but uh, a fun analogy nonetheless. Well, um, you are welcome to move to the East Coast, easily the Beast Coast. (laughs) Pete, I'll quickly mention, by the way, that the podcast, all its interwebs and its storage and its technical techity tech tech stuff uh, is uh, brought to you by, in uh, in some parts, brought to you by you listeners, those of you who've helped us out on Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Fantastic Geek, and uh, helping us with those uh, bandwidth and storage costs. You can head on over there if you'd like to help. We have a couple of thank yous and whatnot. But Pete, I think most people would feel that the biggest thank you is talking to you on Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J, K-E-T-E-L-A-R, 5,409 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a variety of ways. We are Fantastic Geek, that is fantastic with a PH, and you can find us under that name on the Gmail, the .com, and the Twitter. But Pete, no social network interaction would be fun without Facebook. Yes. Head on over to facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek with peace on word. Do you like us? Prove it. Make it official. Like us today. Be part of the conversation on that other social media platform and you'll be in the know. And do also join the conversation on that other Marvel show that's coming out. You can, uh, Subscribe to our Daredevil podcast on iTunes, as previously mentioned. Got a couple episodes up already. We'll be releasing uh, three podcast episodes the first weekend that the show is out, and then move to releasing episodes uh, Monday mornings and Friday mornings uh, will be the, the pattern that we're looking for. Uh, so kind of a nice little uh, nice little uh, thing here. You know, Monday, Daredevil, Wednesday morning, which is, which is when most of you get the... Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, and Friday for Daredevil. And uh, with that, off to the races. But Pete, with that, we are racing towards the end. So I will say, Arrivederci to all our listeners that give you the most coveted final word. Fight on. Fight on.